we implemented audits in our in our feed mill operations you know as we started building the overall feed safety program and it is under the premise you know it's inspect what you expect um, audits can be a very useful uh, resource if they're used for continuous improvement where we see them being used incorrectly is when they're used as a hammer <laughs> uh, you know and uh, we wanted to try to you know use utilize an audit to hopefully drive continuous improvement to engage employees and train them on expectations. So the next time we come back through that feed mill to do an audit, we see an improvement in, in that particular process. And so uh, it becomes a, really an educational tool uh, for the feed mill. And uh, obviously, you know, it goes back to, you know, this whole premise of continuous improvement. And we, we frankly moved to a, a Lean Sigma approach in our feed mills. A whole new era of communication in the feed mill industry is coming. Now you have the brightest minds in the global feed mill industry right in your pocket. And what's best? You can listen to all of them while driving to a feed mill, to a farm, traveling, or running errands. It's never been this good, and it's never been this simple. We want to thank the innovative companies and products whose support and trust make this podcast possible. Ivonic Animal Nutrition. We are sciencing the global food challenge. Welcome to the Feed Science Podcast Show, a weekly podcast where you'll find cutting-edge insights and all that's working in the global feed mill industry. Ivonic Animal Nutrition is committed to ensure food security and safety while reducing the ecological footprint of animal farming. Its products and services use evidence-based solutions that seek to promote animal welfare and reduce reliance on natural resources. All this is underpinned by long-standing industry partnerships and deep customer understanding. Ivonic's focus on efficiency, sustainable, healthy nutrition, and collaborations with livestock farming partners creates value for customers and consumers. Welcome everyone to uh, today's episodes of the Feed Science uh, Podcast Show. I have uh, two very special guests, uh, Dr. Omar Mendoza, who is the Director of Nutrition at MassShop, and Adol Gaines, uh, Managing Director of Anitech. How are you doing? Very good. Very good, thanks. And, uh, you know, like, first I would like to, to know if you can share a little bit about your um, uh, professional background with, with the audience. Uh, yes, I'll go first, Wilmer. First of all, thanks for having us uh, here and uh, sharing the screen here with you and Aaron. Uh, so my my background goes back to uh, my uh, home state of Sonora, Northwest Mexico, where I pursued my undergraduate degree in animal sciences with a focus in swine. And then after that, uh, I was able to find a spot at the University of Illinois, uh, worked under Dr. Mike Ellis on applied uh, production and nutrition where I was uh, able to get my master's and PhD program. And at the time, uh, I connected uh, to the mashups through the research program jointly with University of Illinois. And that's where I got to meet Aaron and then came to work for the mashups. And it'll be here 12 years this fall. And my role is director of nutrition. All right. Good morning, uh, Wilmer. Thanks for having us on this morning. And um, I uh, grew up in Northeast Missouri and went to University of Missouri and got my uh, bachelor's, master's, and PhD degrees there. Uh, been in the feed industry for for twenty plus years. Uh, worked for a feed company. Worked for two production companies uh, prior to uh, starting Anatech in two thousand seventeen. Uh, 
prior to Anatech, uh, worked with Omar at the Mashaws, as he alluded to. So spent a little over a decade there uh, working with uh, both live animal operations and the technical operations of, of the Mashaws. So I uh, look forward to sharing more insight on feed milling uh, with the audience today. And uh, thank you for, again for having us. Thank you. And, uh, you know, one, one of the questions that I would like to ask uh, you both is like, um, you know, uh, in, in, in feed billing, sometimes we work with people from uh, different backgrounds uh, and with different skills. And uh, safety is extremely important in, in, uh, in feed milling. So I would like to know more about, like, uh, uh, how, what is your management strategy uh, as related with, with safety? And, you know, how do you train uh, your employees? Well, I'll, I'll take that and then let Omar uh, jump in as well. I mean, safety, you know, for a feed mill has got to be a top priority and it's got to be part of the culture. And uh, unfortunately, you know, uh, based on our past experience, um, our safety program got accelerated because we had two mill explosions. Um, and it was just uh, it was honestly a freak uh, deal in both both cases. Uh, but it did accelerate uh, the company to invest in a safety program. We were working on it, but it really sped it up. And uh, when you have uh, two mills that have experienced that, um, it's easier to get um, buy-in around that safety program. But, you know, um, unfortunately, those two situations happened, but we turned them into a positive because we we're able to really be the safety champions for the organization and put together a safety program that was able to be leveraged across the organization. So, um, you know, again, it just starts with you got to have a leader within that feed mill that believes in the importance of safety. And that becomes a part of the culture day in, day out. That is that is really good, and uh, one of the things I I think is important as um, it is uh, related with safety is like uh, you know feed milling now uh, the 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 training of the feed mill employees. So, uh, what would be your advice about like how often that that needs to be done? Uh, should they do it like once a month or or how? I would say based on our experience and uh, totally agree with what Aaron mentioned, you know, it becomes a, a, a culture thing and not just a program. And one thing that we've seen is, you know, having the mill manager take ownership. Uh, yes, there will be requirements in terms of audits, safety audits, visits, but it's a day in, day out uh, approach, uh, Wilmer. Uh, the the managers that really engage with their employees, you know, when they're performing whatever tasks, you know, it could be running the forklift or filling bins or having to repair equipment, you know, safety is always the top of mind. So, uh, yes, you know, it's, it's, it's a daily thing, uh, weekly, and then obviously once the audit or the inspections come about, you know, there's going to be no surprises, but it is one of the non-negotiables and you know, people first uh, is, is what we, you know, preach and, you know, what, uh, you know, maintains our employees, uh, you know, uh, safe and able to return home, you know, as they came to us. Yeah, and I, I think something that, you know, what you mentioned is extremely important because management, it needs to start from the top, right? And sometimes, you know, in order to have a safe environment, uh, the, you know, top management needs to provide the, the tools necessary, right? Hard hats, you know, like our goggles, et cetera. So that's, 
that is that is very important and um you know another another aspect that I that I feel that is important in uh in uh in processing that this is related with safety too is uh the maintenance right uh, of both you know preventive and corrective maintenance uh, how do you see the importance of uh, maintenance not only you know from the um, safety perspective but also from uh, the efficiency perspective yeah, for the, you know, for a period of time, you know, we did not operate the mills with a dedicated maintenance person uh, that was a shared responsibility. And then after we implemented a safety program and, and started building out our PM program or preventive maintenance program, we identified, you know, the need to have a dedicated maintenance person. Uh, you alluded to the safety aspects of it, but, you know, you start looking at that PM program um, and the importance of it as, as it relates to downtime. You know, if you've got a feed mill that, you know, has got a limited capacity and you have a situation where you um, lose a piece of equipment, um, whether that's the, the mixer goes down or the pellet mill, that downtime can get really expensive. Um, you know, particularly if you got to move tonnage to another mill or you have out of feed events. Uh, so that becomes a performance issue and a welfare welfare issue as well. And so. The other piece of it is, is when we started investing in a preventive maintenance program, you know, we were able to, to lower our R&M cost. That was very apparent. And so when you start looking at that investment, human capital of a dedicated maintenance manager, it, it pays. It pays from a safety standpoint. It pays from an R&M standpoint. And it pays from reducing downtime at that feed mill. Excellent. And, uh, you know, like also on, as it relates relates with maintenance, also as you're mentioning, it is uh, efficiency. So, uh, from the key performance objectives, can you um, can you know like if a maintenance program is is working, you know, good or or what would be you know like other or, or the key performance objectives where you would focus the most uh, in a in a field. I think one example, uh, Wilmer, is, uh, you know, one of the things that ev- provides evidence that the PM or preventive maintenance program is working is uh, one of the things that Aaron alluded to is the reduction of downtime. Uh, as we know, uh, feed mills are mechanical and, you know, make, uh, they're going to break down. So, you know, but having a good preventive maintenance will not only help with the safety aspect, First and foremost, but we'll ensure that uh, that the mill and all the mechanical parts are going to be running. That there's going to be the spur parts needed, the tools needed to get the job done. So, uh, from our perspective, one thing that we review on a daily basis across all of all of our internal mills, we have a daily call where uh, our mill managers report any issues, any downtime, and there's a calculation of mill efficiency. And that mill efficiency allows us to understand, you know, is the mill running to to its capability, given all the things that were planned for that week, you know, including uh, planned downtime, repairs and maintenance. Uh, and, and, you know, that's one of the things that we do uh, to make sure that it's tracking along. That, that, that is really good. And, uh, you know, with, um, and how, how do you, um, how do you typically do the maintenance? Because, you know, when I was working in the, in a in a in a field in North Carolina, depending on the type of project, uh, we could do that maintenance internally, or if it was a major project, sometimes we would use uh, external people. Uh, 
could you like mention some maybe like some advantages or disadvantages of, of uh, you know doing it internally or externally yeah i mean the uh what we try to do is hire a person within to do the pm program and you know we had a print a maintenance schedule that that person was responsible for you get into some of the more um extensive projects uh then we'd bring in a you know a third party uh millwright company to uh help you know get that project executed and you know that you know just one one maintenance manager only has you know so much time to do pm and you throw on a major capital project whether it's a you know a a uh new roller mill or a new pelleter it just extends their ability to exceeds their ability to do that and so that's where you bring in a third party that's you know specialized in doing that and that's a good balance to to have both internal and external resources uh for for the feed mill for you know pm and then your larger capital projects yeah, man, you, you did mention, uh, you know, like uh, roller mills. Uh, and uh, do, do, you, do you typically use more roller mills or, or hammer mills in, uh, in your facilities? Uh, yeah, so uh, about a decade ago, most of the grinding equipment on our, all, our, our internal mills uh, would have been roller mills. Uh, we had a combination of, you know, two pairs uh, up to three pairs. Uh, roller mills, but here as time has progressed, we we have evolved not only here with our internal mills, but some of our tool mill partners, you know, to hammer milling technology. So uh, we still have today a roller mill as uh, the backup mill, or whenever we gotta have a coarser corn, but typically the main grinding equipment today will be uh, hammer mills. I'm a real, I don't know, uh, what, what would be like, you know, the target particle size that, that would you suggest that is important, you know, for, for swine? Uh, yeah, good question. And uh, believe it or not, in, in the swine space, there's still quite a bit of debate in terms of, you know, what is the proper particle size? Uh, it, you know, if you go and collect uh, three different uh, guide documents or guidance documents, uh, you'll find different different degrees, but typically the particle size that's most accepted is about 500 microns. Uh, that would say I would say that would be around industry average. Uh, obviously, it will depend if you're you know the, your feed form. If it's in mash, uh, probably 500 microns would be your lower level, uh, more so 600. And then obviously, if you are feeding pelleted diets, that'll allow us to go to a lower micron micron size and and again there's different specification if you're feeding grow finish animals versus versus sows or breeding stock but probably uh pelleted diets uh you would see an average around uh three to four hundred microns you know omar to clarify that's with without a flow agent uh, yeah, that's yeah. good point, Aaron. So uh, as hammer mill technologies has continued to come into the industry, I think the use of a flow agent ha- have allowed us to have a more precise uh, and accurate determination of the particle size, you know, especially as you go to a, to a finer micron size. But yes, those will be without flow agent. Uh, with the flow agent uh, impact, you'll see anywhere between 75 to 100 micron reduction from our experience. 
Yeah, and I, and I think something that is very important, I, I even try to tell the the, 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 uh, the companies about the importance of flowing agents, right? Particularly if they are um, evaluating the particle size of the meal, because you are already adding some uh, fats, and that flow agent uh, prevents those particles to agglomerate. Um, so that, that's very important. But something that you mentioned is like um, the difference between mice diets and pellet diets is more like uh, no as related as digestibility, but more related to flowing characteristics in the feeder, right? Uh, c- correct. Uh, so uh, the, the main aspect as to differentiate uh, pelleted diets versus mesh diets in terms of the particle size will be flowability first and foremost. Uh, we, we had the experience, and I think Aaron would agree that whenever a mesh diet was delivered with a fine micron size, uh, flowability at the bend level and even at the feeder level uh, was causing issues, you know, and if it's if it's very fine, it could lead to out of feed events, uh, which are not not that good for, for the pigs. So that's where it, we have learned to establish a minimum threshold when feeding a mash diet. Uh, with pelleted diets, then you can take advantage of the feed form and then take advantage also of the increased digestibility uh, from a lower micron size. The other thing on not only mean particle size, particularly in mash diets, but also particle size standard deviation, you know, that's something we observed. You start seeing an increase in particle size standard deviation and you start having some flow challenges in, in mash diets in particular. And that, that's, that's very important because, you know, one of the questions that I had in my, in my mind right now is like, because right now you can use uh, hammer mills and rubber mills, and rubber mills are going to give you like more, a more uniform particle size with better flowability characteristics. I was going to ask you like, if can you get like the same, um, if you have hammer mills with uh, variable frequency drives? Because, you know, like now we can just change the RPMs of the motor and then I just increase the particle size. Um, would that be like similar to what you can get in a roller mill or you still are going to have like a higher variation in, in particle size? Uh, yeah, good good question. Uh, tip, yes. So the general rule of thumb is that, yes, you know, with a hammer mill, you can either achieve the same particle size or, you know, go to a lower geometric mean particle size. But typically, typically you would see a, a higher standard deviation. Uh, there's still, you know, from my perspective, and this is, I'll, I'll leave this to the our operation leaders, but, you know, working with the BFDs and, you know, the air assist and all the different parameters when it comes to hammer milling, uh, certainly it's possible, but, you know, not you, there's, there's a, degree of know-how and the other aspect is you know the frequency of the measurement right so you know having measurements uh, on a daily basis versus weekly basis would allow you to understand that variation uh, a lot better i mean I, w- I will say with some of the newer hammer mill technologies that standard deviation has definitely improved we've definitely uh, narrowed the gap between roller mills and, and hammer mills to omar's point with just newer technology and and air assist and some of those things that help reduce uh, particle size to air deviation. And I think something that is very important that you mentioned is to know the variation, right? And uh, if we know that variation, uh, we know how often we need to measure it, right? Things that are more variable, 
uh, we brought in it to um, to measure it more frequently. Yes, uh, uh, you know, I continue learning a little bit about uh, how the poultry industry values particle size, but certainly in the swine spaces has been really well defined that as you decrease particle size, you know, from 100 microns uh, reduction, I mean, that's going to be equivalent to about a 1% feed efficiency. You know, the range is from 0.8 to 1.2, so 1% feed efficiency in a time of high feed cost is really valuable. So, uh, therefore, that is one of the metrics that is, uh, you know, our feed mills really key in. Uh, in terms of frequency, uh, if it's roller mill, there's probably going to be uh, twice a day or once per shift. Uh, with a hammer mill being a little bit more consistent, you know, there's uh, a one measurement, you know, per day uh, at least, but, you know, most often too. So that allows you to do some trend analysis. I mean, you're not looking at it on a, on a daily basis, but you're not looking at it on a weekly basis and making sure that you're not only staying on target, but, that, you know, that the trend is positive. And then, you know, it's, it's staying within your limits on the upper and the, and the lower side. And, and how did you find that balance? You know, like, uh, with, because uh, in swine, um, as you've mentioned it, as you decrease oracle size, you can improve uh, feed efficiency, but uh, your uh, throughput might go down and uh, your, um, um, you know, cents per uh, dollar per ton of, of, you know, or dollars per ton of uh, ground material is going to go up. So what what considerations do the company needs to take um cost of feed ingredient, cost of energy, I don't know, like how what 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 defines you know that, that optimum oracle size? Yeah, no, it's yeah, good question. It's it's all about a balance, uh, right? So uh, I think one approach that we took is try to understand, you know, what our target was going to be and then right-sizing the equipment, although that is difficult because things change. Uh, certainly, we have, been, we have been in instances where uh, due to uh, feed, feed volume coming to a feed mill, we were not able to achieve uh, the desired particle size. As you said, as you go to a lower particle size, the, the throughput is going to decrease. So, uh, there's, there's some gifts, but certainly... The approach is to continue to to get to it, but there will be times where you know the throughput is going to win. Uh, animals need to get fed, so there's uh, so, some of that uh, you know give and take to balance it out. But it starts with the understanding your equipment capability and going from there. Excellent. And uh, I think you know when uh, to understand equipment and uh, uh, you know understand the the, the feed mill itself. Our needs are, are very important, right? Uh, so, um, do you do like, or, or do you suggest to do like some internal audits as uh, they relate to, you know, uh, safety, product quality, or process improvement? Yeah, I'll just kind of speak to kind of the the principles behind the audit. I mean, we implemented audits in our in our feed mill operations. You know, as we started building the overall feed safety program, and is under the premise, you know, it's inspect what you expect. Um, audits can be a very useful uh, resource if they're used for continuous improvement. Where we see them being used incorrectly is when they're used as a hammer, <laughs> uh, you know, and uh, we want to try to, you know, use utilize an audit to hopefully drive continuous improvement 
to engage employees and train them on expectations. So the next time we come back through that feed mill to do an audit, we see an improvement in, in that particular process. And so uh, it becomes a, really an educational tool uh, for the feed mill. And uh, obviously, you know, it goes back to, you know, this whole premise of continuous improvement. And we, we frankly moved to a, a lean Sigma approach in our feed mills. And I know we haven't touched on that, but, you know, it really focused on, you know, really the four pillars, sustainability, quality, delivery, and, and cost. And, and audits were certainly a, a piece of that uh, lean Sigma approach. Uh, but again, we can get into more of how we set those, those audits up, but, uh, you know, again, it's it's a very useful tool if used appropriately. Excellent. And, and, and you share a little bit more about that tool. I, I think it's going to be important for the audience how, how you do it. Yeah, Omar, you, you guys probably have evolved that tool quite a bit. So won't you speak to how you guys are using those audits as far as the detail? Uh, sure. And, uh, you know, the different audits uh, can have, uh, are dependent on different programs. So we talked earlier about, you know, safety. So obviously safety, you know, there's a specific audit. There's regulatory compliance, as we all know. Uh, so, you know, there's audits that are going to be looking into the things that will get us compliant into some of the regulatory aspects, you know, namely, you know, Food Safety Modernization Act. And then another one of the audits and, uh, it goes back to what Aaron was mentioning on utilizing Lean Sigma methodologies for process improvement. So, and I'll take a, a few moments here to describe what that looks like. So, not only, you know, producing uh, a f- feed product that's going to be, you know, safe, not only for the employees that are, you know, working at the feed mill, but obviously ultimately for the animals, in our case, uh, livestock, what is going to achieve and those uh, specifications. So it requires monitoring and measuring your processes. Earlier we talked about particle size, how particle size needs to be uh, measured correctly, having standardized equipment in, in the case of particle size, you know, charting rotap seed shaker across all mills. If you're talking about corn moisture, having, you know, uh, dedicated time to where that's being done on a daily basis, uh, and pellet quality. So those are some of the examples that are on the macro level on process uh, verification. But then we can take it even even further to understand the you know process capability of our scales, you know, process capability of the augers that are delivering the ingredients. You know, all with the intent to not only balance you know quality, uh, you know, cost and reduction of downtime. That's, that's, that's extremely important, uh, you know, what, what, what you're mentioning because um, you, you need to, to know the equipment that you have uh, at the feed mill and, and uh, capabilities, right? And um, I don't know how, ma- how many feed mills do you have uh, because, um, as you are mentioning, you know, like, there are so many different ways to analyze oracle size. And uh, if, is, you know, the yeah. feed mills are using two different methodologies, then uh, you cannot compare uh, that, uh, you know, you cannot compare the particle size of the pellet quality uh, across witness. Uh, absolutely. Uh, one of the things that is part of Lean Sigma methodology is understanding your measurement system, right? It can be a point of variation. And certainly we found that, you know, we found that, uh, you know, maybe two females were uh, measuring particle size, but they were using 
perhaps the same instrument, but a different process, uh, or in some cases, uh, a different measurement system altogether. Example, you know, the most uh, recommended methodology is using the 13 sieve rotap sieve shaker, but there's also uh, the three sieve, and certainly that's going to give you different different values. And you're going to be scratching your head if you do not recognize, you know, measurement system differences. So that is one one thing that, you know, we have been working on trying to standardize methodology across feed mills. Uh, you had asked Wilmer uh, how many feed mills we have. We have four internal feed mills that'll, that'll manufacture around 50% of our feed. But then we have a combination of close to 15 uh, external toll mills. Uh, and you know, with that, you would you would expect some differences not only in instrument uh, but process. Uh, the main two main, the main two ones that we've been discussing here would be particle size and pellet quality. Uh, on the pellet quality side, uh, the, our recommendation is to use the tumbler methodology, as uh, reported by K State University, and using the modified. Uh, Tumblr methodology with a hex nuts, uh, we have seen that being more repeatable. And while not absolute, it would allow us to understand differences across feed mills and even within the same feed mill. That's really good. And even, you know, like, um, just just to comment in, in, in some of the things that I see sometimes, it's like when the companies are analyzing particle size, not so much in the U.S., but in, in other regions, it's like they are using uh, the full hype seeds. I wish are three inches uh, in you know in height. So when they want to place them in the machine, they can only place uh, six or seven. Six. They can place uh, yeah. all the thirteen sips. So they they are not going to have a good representation of uh, the the particle size. Or when they are doing pellet quality, as you know, we we need to use a specific sieve to remove the fines um, when we are doing our pellet quality and. That that kind of affects uh, their results. So, so certainly, so. we've seen examples where we were seeing the feeder finds being different, and and I'm not going to remember the right one, but it, it think it was either a six or a seven, and they were using the other one. So, you know, that's part of the value of not only a remote audit, which I didn't talk about, but you know, we call remote audit is looking at the data that's being submitted by the different feed mills on a weekly basis. We can do that all here from our central offices, but then being in person at the feed mill, it allows you to, you know, uh, look at the person performing the task, you know, how the sample is collected, you know, uh, you know, the points of temperature measurement, you know, in the case of pelleted feet. That, that, that is really good. I don't know, you know, like, uh, I, I, I guess, you know, like my, 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 my last, you know, kind of technical question is like, uh, how do you, um, you know, like the objectives from sometimes from the feed mill are going to be like different than the objectives uh, at the farm. Uh, when you were talking about like, you know, particle size, sometimes, you know, like the feed mill might need to increase 50 micron because, it, it, you know, they need to make sure that uh, they are getting the, the, the feed in front of the animals. Um, how do you how do you balance those objectives between what the farm is looking for and what the feed mill can do? Yeah, I would say, you know, for us, uh, over time, we needed to make sure that the feed mill uh, program aligned with the company goals and customer expectations. 
um, you know, the, the feed mill cannot operate in a silo away from the rest of the company. Uh, everybody should be focused on, on the end goal and that's profit per pig. Right. Uh, and so you got to make sure that the, the feed mill is aligned with those company goals and it goes back to, to measurement. And I mentioned the SQDC concept or sustainability quality delivery cost. You know, we, we utilize SQDC boards in our feed mills. Uh, that's a way to convey whether how a process is performing. So if you're you're achieving the goal or target, it's going to be in green. And if you're not, it's in red. And the employee or the manager is recording that data on a daily or weekly basis to know whether they're winning or losing for the company. And so you start breaking down that SQDC board and, and take S for sustainability. You know, we put a lot of emphasis on safety in that sustainability bucket. So we're taking measurements like no near misses, um, no unsafe work practices, as an example. And those are getting recorded on the quality side. Omar talked about that. We were measuring particle size, you know, very intensely because it's a big driver for fee conversion. A lot of dollars, um, you know, opportunity cost if you're not at targeted particle size. And then pellet quality, looking at percent feeder fines on the quality side. Delivery. Uh, you know, the metrics we utilized there were, you know, tons per, uh, tons per hour. Uh, we done that by shift. Uh, we also looked at the efficiency metric, uh, in terms of actual tons versus theoretical. And then we also looked at cost, you know, cost is not going to be a daily measurement. It's going to be more of a monthly measurement, uh, as it relates to tons per hour. And then you can break that down, uh, even further, but, um, to your, to your point, I think the main thing is, is making sure the feed mill has the company goals in mind uh, and those things are aligned because if they're not, you're going to create a lot of issues between the feed mill and your customer. At the end of the day, the feed mill works for production. That is your customer. Uh, And so once you get that alignment, uh, things go a lot better, but you can't have separate metrics for the feed mill that are independent of the company level goals. Uh, yeah, and just I couldn't agree more. Uh, there's always that dichotomy of, you know, the feed mill versus live production, and it's going to be different, right? A, a feed company that is sole purpose is to provide, you know, feed to customers is going to have, you know, throughput metrics and quality metrics. But uh, in the case of internal milling for a livestock producer, in this case, pigs is, you know, understanding uh, the, the why and, and explaining that, you know, the why, you know, why, what the feed mill has to, you know, meet certain parameters, you know, whether it's a quality aspect, we know that not all the time, but most, mostly all the time, things that will improve quality will reduce throughput. So that's always that balance, right? Obviously we cannot, you know, look at quality in isolation or throughput. So, uh, it, it takes uh, really a team effort. Uh, we cannot come and set specifications in a silo as well. You know, hey, I want to uh, arrive to this micron size. The feed mill may not have the equipment. So it, it requires, you know, back and forth. There's always some discussion and debate, which, you know, creates healthy debate and allows us to improve. But having the mentality of continuous improvement process is also, is also going to be key. And, and then just a final comment, uh, like I mentioned, you know, 50% of fire volume comes from external uh, mills and some of their metrics are going to be different than ours. And it just takes, you know, a relationship 
uh, getting into the females, you know, discussing why are these things important to a livestock producer. Uh, and it's always a balance as a day, you know, uh, it's a week to week, but it all hinges on data monitoring uh, and reporting. And, you know, having the system to do so are going to be critical. And I think one of the biggest things that looking back at that we did to make sure that our customer understood that the feed mill was on their team was getting them into the feed mills. You know, a lot of the production uh, team uh, members had never been in a feed mill. Uh, and so just giving them that invite and going through the feed mill and showing them the processes and the amount of science that goes into feed milling and the, and the amount of technology, it blows them away. And so that's the one thing I would, you know, I guess anybody that's listening to this, make sure you engage your customer, get them in the feed mill, make sure they understand the why behind your processes and the fact that you are there to support them and the company's goals. But I, I mean, if you can do that, it just changes the whole relationship between feed mills and production to know that you guys are working together and you got to have that open line of communication and vice versa. A lot of feed mill employees have never been on a, at the farm. And they need to get out on the farm and understand some of the, the practices that happen on farm and some of the struggles with, as it relates to feed bins and, and the different feed line setups and, and some of the challenges they face. So you can start connecting the dots and look at continuous improvement because, you know, the one thing that, uh, that Dr. Walter always preached to us, Dr. Walter, he's the CEO of Mashoffs, is that the feed doesn't stop at the feed mill. It stops at the pig's mouth. And and I think that's critically important uh, that the feed mill owns that feed all the way to the pig. Yeah, and uh, as you as you're mentioning, communication is extremely important, right? Um, so uh, we're almost, uh, you know, we just have like five minutes left. And um, one of the things that I, I like is like uh, doing this um, a podcast. I know like a lot of uh, students are listening to this podcast and uh, you and I were students a uh, few, few years ago. Uh, what kind of advice would you give, give up to, to the graduates and other value students on how they can uh, use their time in the university to prepare better and have a more successful uh, career once that they um, enter the, you know, the industry. Uh, I'll share a little bit of, of my experience and then I'll, I'll let uh, Aaron uh, share his comments. But uh, for me, yes, I wanted to uh, focus on the area of swine nutrition and, you know, obviously got, got have received training uh, in animal physiology and metabolism, you know, but uh, that, the aspect that I was passionate about is about, you know, the apply side or the, the industry side. So I was fortunate enough that I was able to uh, participate in a couple of internships, uh, one with the mashups when I was a student uh, and allow me to really understand, you know, real, real world production uh, and get into a feed mill. Obviously, we had experience, you know, mixing research dies at the university email, but, uh, you know, while well, the principles are the same, you know, the scale and the speed at which it moves is really different. And, you know, it just allowed me to have a better understanding of, you know, how to apply my training. So for all those students that are, you know, uh, wanting to go into the animal uh, space, animal nutrition, independent species, you know, having access to melon experience uh, is going to be key. And, and most companies, including our, ours, you know, will be very open. You know, we host uh, tours 
very frequently we bring students for externships, you know, just to for them to go and feel and what it looks like, you know, commercial feed production. So, you know, reaching out to folks in the industry, uh, you know, there's, there's plenty of opportunity. Yeah, I would agree with uh, Omar. Internships are, are very important for um, identifying, you know, what field you want to go into and, and also giving you a lot of exposure to um, a network within the, within the industry. But one of the things kind of looking back on, on my, you know, uh, formal training that, that we, we typically don't get is leadership development training. Um, it's not a formal, there's not a formal class for it. And so you got to kind of go seek that out on your own. And, um, you know, some companies, you know, the Mashoffs did invest in leadership development training programs uh, that are b- very beneficial. Uh, I got to experience that and, and grow from that. But that's something for younger people that are listening to this podcast is you need to take advantage of any opportunity you can to get in a leadership development program because that will be so invaluable as you get into your career long term uh, because this, you know, the ag industry is a people business. And we need good leaders, and every one of us has the capability of being a leader, whether you recognize it or not. And you, there's a lot of good tools and resources out there to help you, but you got to take advantage of them. So look for those opportunities. Uh, just to bolt on his uh, Aaron's comment, one thing that you know when students ask me, so what's your recommendation? You know, completely agree as well. If you're understanding your training, obviously you're receiving either you know an undergraduate or a post postgraduate degree is you know that is you are training that you know in the in, the, in my case i said you know pigs feed that's the easy part you know working with the people it's you know the difficult part so uh you know everybody's going to be a leader don't matter if you have direct reports you know leadership is the ability to influence so you know understanding the soft skills and getting to know yourself you know getting to know yourself and how you communicate is going to be key Excellent. 